iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome back to the Apple Store Soho for tonight's Meet the Filmmaker event. Meet the Filmmaker is a series that we host here at our Apple retail stores that brings you up close and personal with today's top filmmakers, actors and actresses and the people behind the scenes from movies that we all love. If you visit iTunes and do a search for Fantastic Mr. Fox, you're going to find lots of great content related to tonight's film. There's the film's soundtrack, an audiobook narrated by Roald Dahl, and an application that runs on the iPhone. Fantastic Mr. Fox is visionary director Wes Anderson's first animated film, utilizing classic handmade stop-motion techniques to tell the story of the best-selling children's book by Roald Dahl. The film features voices of George Clooney, Meryl Streep, Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray, and many more actors you all know and love, some of whom will be joining us a little later. In a little bit, you'll be treated to clips from the film and be able to participate in a discussion and Q&A with director Wes Anderson and actors Meryl Streep and Jason Schwartzman, who lended their voices to the characters Mrs. Fox and Ash. Before we introduce our guests tonight, we'd like you to know that moderating is special guest Peter Travers from Rolling Stone. Uh, please join me in welcoming Peter Travers now, who's going to speak a little bit about the film. Well, welcome, everybody, and I'm happy to be here. I have been uh, the movie critic for Rolling Stone for almost as long as I've been a Mac user. I feel like I'm at an AA meeting. Yes. Hi, my name is Peter. Um, I'm thrilled to be moderating this Q&A tonight because this is a very special movie. You've seen a little bit of the making of features, but to take a children's classic like this and roll doll and to put it on the screen with stop motion and puppets puts you in a position where people might want to say, who the hell are you to do that? I, this is, come on, this is uh, sacrosanct. This is something we can't play with. But it got played with, with a sense of play intact. And after you leave, after this Q&A, what you all need to do is sign the voucher that says you will all see the film this weekend, okay, as long as you do that. So, you know, you were told that George Clooney uh, does the voice of Mr. Fox, and he would have been here tonight, but he did call me and say that he was under the daunting pressure in Italy of what fantastic wine and food to order tonight. So, <laughs> screw him. Let's welcome everybody else that's involved in this movie, starting with its director and co-writer, Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's good. And now, Mrs. Fox herself, Meryl Streep. And the littlest fox, Ash, Jason Schwartzman. All right, uh, we, we did it. Thank you for coming. It's all done now. And here, here they are. Here are the fox families. Each of you having your own image. It's very fetishistic and strange. And I have the book. All right, Wes, I'm going to start with you because in, in the beginning uh, was the word, and you're not Roald Dahl, but you did adapt it with Noah Baumbach. And so yeah. I have to say this right away because um, 
It's an animated movie. It's stop motion animation. Were you just completely fed up with flesh and blood actors? Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, in fact, I had. Um, I've always loved stop motion, um, and um, and I and for some reason I've always loved stop motion with fur. I don't, I don't know why that is, but just the, 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 the textures of it. Um, and um, about 10 years ago, I had this idea, you know, I started thinking I'd like to do a stop motion movie, and the, the idea popped into my head of doing this book, which was um, the first Roald Dahl book I had read as a child, and one of my favorite books. Um, and also, I, you know, I had this copy of it from when I was seven years old that I had kept with me and always had on my shelves wherever I lived. Um, and um, so I approached the Dallas State about it at that point. You were obsessed. I was a bit, yeah. yeah it's just, I mean, then as an obsessed person approaching the Dallas State, uh, were they just terrified of you uh, and say, go away and we'll call you in another year or two? Or did they welcome you with open arms? I felt welcomed, honestly. Um, I, had, uh, I had lunch with, um, with Dahl's widow, Lissy Dahl, um, here in New York. And I, I liked her very much immediately. And then she invited me to come to Gypsy House, his, his uh, doll's house in England. And um, the, the, you know, the, the, the feeling of it was uh, you really got his personality uh, from the house. And the, the story is set there, and he had written it there. And I was very inspired by it. And we ended up actually writing. Um, we, we started working on the script at Noah Baumbach and I at Gypsy House. And, um, you know, we, we really we kind of, we were inspired by Dahl every step of the way of it. Well, Meryl, I can ask you, too, about how you felt about this book and this material because you've done things. But I've got to say first, this is your first uh, love scene on film with George Clooney. And just, it just has to first. be this. I mean, <laughs> was there any resentment toward Wes for uh, this happening? I think that's as close as I'm going to get, oh, frankly. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. And I was really flattered to um, be asked to be, to be the voice of Mrs. Fox, because I <clears throat> read all the books to my kids when, when they were little. And um, my, my kids especially <laughs> responded to stories that were not sort of just happy. And they loved <clears throat> the things that were darker, like the Sendak books and Roald Dahl. So I was really familiar with all of the, all the books. So you raised <laughs> the proper twisted family that yeah. would <laughs> be able to accept these books the way they were written. Yeah. That's, that's a good thing. It's a and their elegance. Thing. They're just beautifully written. Mm -hmm. And they don't talk down to kids, which is part of why kids like them and parents can stand to read them. Yeah. Jason, you are uh, Ash, you are the son in the books. There's many more children than you and it's all fallen to you now to play Ash. You are all the Fox children rolled into one. Thank Pressure? you. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for saying that. Mm -hmm. Pressure? Pressure. Um, gosh, uh, yes. Was that a good answer? Yes, a lot of pressure. That's good. Um, uh, um, yeah, I am the only son now in this um, in this movie, and um, but it was you know it's always a lot of pressure to go to work, but when you have Wes Anderson, it's um, you know you're going into into battle with someone who's going to protect you, so it wasn't that much pressure. Well, you've had uh, so to speak Wes Anderson before, you know. I mean, you are Max Fisher. 
And for many of us, I'm sure it's, no, come on. Thank you. You have to bow to things that need bowing to, okay? So tell, tell us a little, those that haven't seen the movie yet, what is going on in this movie with Mr. and Mrs. Fox? Where is their relationship? Well, Mr. Fox is sort of incorrigible in a way, and he made a promise to domesticate when he uh, got married and had <clears throat> a child, uh, or a little fox. Yeah, he didn't have a child. <laughs> and um, he broke his promise. So that's where they are, right? In, during this, and it has sort of dire consequences, not just for their, fam their relationship, but their family, their friends, and the whole little community of animals that, that live under the Bunce Bean Bogus farm. farm. Yeah, me too. I like that use of domesticate. <laughs> I've never heard it used like that way. It's literal, and it's also metaphorical. Yep. Um, I'm going to use that myself. Okay, you can, yeah. It's a good thing. When you and Noah Baumbach are putting that script together, though, and you're dealing with this, you've had to add things to it. You have, there are many, this was what, 80, how many pages of this book? How do you set about doing that? And did you collaborate with Merrill and George Clooney on the creation of those characters? Well, you know, we, uh, we yeah, the, bo the book is short. That is not actually the book. It's, it, it, that's the making of, which is much longer, in fact. Um, the book is very, it's just very slim. And, um, this we is the much longer making of book. Yes, yes, that was a more involved process. Um, the, uh, so we knew we had to add, we sort of had to add a first chapter, and, a, and we were going to keep it going at the end of it. Um, I think... Um, the, you know, it, it, it was natural for us to be inventing new parts of the story. The, the surprising thing for me was when we, we were just surprised when we every now and then got to say, or when we reached a certain point, when we got to say, um, you know, we're trying to think of what happens next, and we finally said, you know, well, let's see what happens in the book. We could just look in that. And from that <laughs> point like, on, we said, concept. let's just look no what he did. That. that worked. Let's do that. Um, so that really was kind of uh, an inspiring and helpful thing to actually have a book. Um, and, um, and the other thing was we always, had the, um, we, we always had this idea of trying to imagine how would Roald Dahl have done it and, you know, trying to come up with our version of that. Um, In and that way lies madness sometimes, though, because you never get the answer, do you? No, you yeah. don't. You don't. <laughs> just, you and you just know you're know. not getting the answer, yeah. you know, but, um, but at least it's something to kind of aspire to. Um, but I will say, while we were writing it, we were thinking of animals, only animals, even though we weren't writing in particularly animal, you know, I mean, they're written as people, I guess, but, um, but um, only when you often I think of casting during the writing. In this case, as soon as we finished it, I thought of, well, who would be the ideal people? And we actually got the, it's the first time I've ever actually gotten the first choices for, you know, all the main parts. But, um, but um, yeah, anyway. Well, I mean, it's not many animals that say to their wife, you know, you still look as fine as a creme brulee. That's, uh, that's pretty great. Yeah, I don't hear the foxes in my neighborhood do that, but they should. And it might be what's going on in their heads. Jason, you all, yes, this is, oh, this is going to be so high pressure for you. <laughs> this is just really, really hard. Uh, I, it's identification. 
you're playing now this only child, this son of this person who has his insecurities. It's, mm -hmm. I don't know certain things. How do you approach doing that then? How are you taking on that responsibility of playing this insecure person when you yourself are basically an egomaniac? Um, that's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, most egomaniacs are insecure, for the record. Um, <laughs> He's speaking on behalf of all of them. Uh, speaking on behalf of all of us. Um, but um, no, I, um, uh, you know, first thing is we did a lot of the performances, uh, in, in, most of them in a group form. So some of these bigger scenes that you'll see in the movie, we did with George and Bill and Walla Walla Darsky. Um, and I suppose that as Wes just said, they didn't think about actors when they were writing it, they were just thinking about animals. Well, when I read the script, I thought this, this could just be people. This could just be about people. It doesn't have to, it's not necessarily about animals. You could just cast hu humans in this, and it, you know what I mean? And what they're talking about at all, it could work like a feature film movie, not animated. And um, I think all of us being there together in a group, acting the scenes out, it, I didn't think about foxes or 12-year-old. I just thought, well, I thought about 12-year-old, but I didn't think about an, being an animal or anything. I just tried to play the scenes, you know, as best I could, looking at George Clooney. Um, and I've noticed we only call him George Clooney. We never call him George. Have you noticed that? It just feels <laughs> better. It, I think it's his first name, George Clooney. Um, uh, <laughs> but um, no, that's, and, uh, and I, that's, that was just how I approached it. But um, not, I mean, yeah, I, but I shared some of the uh, insecurities that my character uh, feels. My character um, when we, is an adolescent fox who is littler than the rest and wants to be a better athlete and uh, also uh, w likes a girl who doesn't like him back. And in fact, not only does she not like him back, but she likes someone that he's very close to. And that's, that was a majority of my teenage years was <laughs> spent um, liking girls that um, liked my really good friends. So I've been there, done that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and, um, but I never went, like, my character's a bit more grumpy. He spits, for instance, and he's prickly, and he just looks, he's, he's angry. Um, and I never went, like, I never personally went there, for the record. But, um, but I, ha I had a lot in common with this 12-year-old fox, yeah. pardon? Never with the spitting. No, I, mean, I never the, spat. The anger has to be there. I mean... Uh, yeah. Below? Yeah, there's... there's Perhaps. Just a little. Perhaps. Just Perhaps. a little bit there. Perhaps. You did say something, that is very unusual for any animated movie, stop motion or anything, that you looked at George Clooney. Uh, you could look at the people. What animation has been traditionally, and you were saying to me before, I just didn't know. I didn't know when the voices came in. I, I sort of came to this not knowing what the rules were. Uh, but what happens is people usually come in and record in their own little isolation booth without anybody, and you did something different. Yes, well, you know, we, the, the first recordings we did, we did on a farm in Connecticut, um, which I think was partly just because I didn't really know the way it's normally done, and I thought a lot of this takes place on farms and things like that, we, we'll, need a, we'll need to start with a farm. Um, and I thought it might be nice to have everybody together, and, um, and it was a bit like a summer camp. Um, we, did, we added different things along the way. Not everybody was available in the same moment, and, and, we, and I wrote new parts, and we added things. So there were many recording sessions in lots of different circumstances over a couple of years. But I think there were 
some ideas that came out of that approach that we wouldn't have had. Like, for instance, we had um, a scene where, um, where uh, Jason's character and uh, George Clooney's character uh, and, um, and our friend Wally, they, they see, a, they see a, this wolf um, on a hillside, and we were getting ready to record this, and... Um, and I, you know, it was end of the day, and it was, you know, the wind was blowing through the trees, and I, and you know, there was a nice mood, and I thought, um, you know, we should probably get somebody to be the wolf, if, it's, if anybody can, somebody just do the wolf for us, so they can be watching. And uh, and Bill Murray, his character was not in the scene, but he was standing there with his hands in his pockets, and um, he said, uh, "I can do that," <laughs> um, and he sort of trotted up this hill off into the distance, into the far, far distance. And, you know, he was very small on the, on the horizon. And, um, and we watched him go, we waited, and um, then um, we said, okay, let's do it. And he was a great wolf. He Even really, at a distance. At, 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 I, think, I think he knew to play it at that distance. He knew how to sell it at that distance. And it was really, there was an expertise about his wolf and a mood that was very, um, that was very touching. And we, uh, I taped it with my phone. Um, you know, I filmed him. We brought that back to England and gave it to our animator who eventually worked on that shot. And he, uh, he based it on Bill Murray's wolf. Um, and, you know, he was a good wolf. Um, I hope that's on the DVD. I, I'm sure it will be. Yeah. Yeah. All right, it's time now to take uh, questions from the audience. So raise your hand. Somebody will get you a mic, or you'll just talk really loud. Over here. Oh, yeah, I got it. Hi, my question is from Meryl. Okay, so Laura Taylor said yeah. that imagination is the key to, to developing an effective character. I agree with that. You do, yes. and can you tell us a little bit about what your process is to developing a character? Um, I don't have one, <laughs> but I have nice. a different one on every movie, which makes it a little bit terrifying and which makes it probably good for me. On this one, this one you had nothing to do with um, the preparation for this because I was in London, and I was shooting a film before I got the offer to do this. And I was living on a little muse, and I was in the third floor, and I came home very late at night, and I was in my bathroom, and I looked out, and down the muse, which is in the center of London, in uh, the lamplight, was a fox. And it was loping along, and I went, oh! my window was wide open, because it was summer, and it went like this. <laughs> and we looked at each other for 12 minutes. 12 minutes. I had my little clock, and I kept looking. But I, we didn't break our, you know, engagement for that amount of time. It was so surreal. I have never looked in an animal's eyes that long. My dog won't look at me that long. And it was really weird. Who broke first? Huh? Who stopped looking first? He did. Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just switched his tail and he went away. 
write down the thing, but it was amazing. And I thought about that all the time we were doing the recording. Thank you. I should have got foxes for all the actors, you know? If you told me that, I would have arranged that preparation for each person, and I feel like they would have... But each one should be different anyway, so... Jason, you never had a moment with a fox? I actually did have a moment with a fox. Um, uh, not as good as that, but I was with Wes. Remember, we were, in fact, we, went, we were in London um, recently. The movie played there, and we went, and we were on a, our way to a um, cast and, uh, or an animation, a party for all the animators and crew who worked on the film. Uh, and on our way to the um, party, we saw a fox run right in front of our car and stop and look at us, and then it, it bolted. But... Um, it was bizarre to see. I've never, and I live, you know, in California. I don't see foxes like that run in front of a car. But he yeah. said the driver said and it was not an uncommon thing. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. They're so. I mean, they're very beautiful. They're kind of magical animals. And but for the last three years, anytime anybody I know has had anything to do with a fox, they're like, this is an omen. Um, so I really feel <laughs> connected to everyone's experiences of foxes. <laughs> okay, more omen questions over here in the back. The question was, given that it's animation, was there any room to improvise with this? Uh, you know, I'll tell you one thing. The, the, w one interesting thing, uh, you know, uh, both Meryl and Jason working with them, I, what I really enjoyed was that, you know, with, with a movie like this, they, have, they can have the lines in front of them if they want. There's, you know, the kind of freedom, and it's almost like you're, re you're recording a rehearsal, and with people who have, both of them are actors who, in my ex experience, are actors who can come up with a lot of different ways to do something. And so they're, you know, the improvisation is just that they have ideas for how to interpret this, this text. Um, and also, they, they were both, you know, they did their own growling. You know, when they became the animals, they kind of went with it. Um, and, um, and that was kind of fun to see, you know, to, to see them just sort of, uh, you know. Yeah, we never get asked to do that. Well, rarely. Yeah. Rarely. yeah. <laughs> I'm asking you both now, will you each growl? <laughs> They're angry, you know? It'd be tough on you sometimes. Yeah. We have a question here in the here. fourth row. Okay. Um, this is for Wes. How different was it for you making this film compared to your other films because it was your first adaptation and it was your first animated movie? Yes, well, it, you know, the, the difference in adaptation is just, uh, you know, is, is just having this book to go to. But the process of making it, I think for me, the, the clearest difference in the process is when you're doing a, a live action movie, you have your day set up and you, you're going to do this shot and then this shot and then this shot and then this shot. And, uh, you know, eventually the sun's going to go down. And it's sort of a sequential race uh, to, or, you know, to whatever's going to end the day. And with a movie like this, you have as many as 30 shots going simultaneously, but very, very slowly. And a whole team of other people who are building many, many sets that are gonna come next, and people building your actual characters, you know, they're making puppets, and, um, and also you're editing the movie, you start editing the movie before you shoot it with, with drawings, so there's a whole storyboard team and an editorial team, and the day is spent going back and forth, uh, uh, sort of frantically, from one task to another as you slowly make your way along, and at the end of the day, you don't finish anything. <laughs> I was going to say, how much do you get done in a day? Because it's moving like this, right? Uh, uh, uh. 
Like yes, you yes. just each each shot, you just get a, you, a couple of seconds, a few seconds at the most, and um, and depending on how complicated it is, it can be very very little time. But it's exciting anyway because there's so much happening at once, and um, there's so many people who are um, who are bringing in all this expertise and all the you know all this. Um, all, all this experience um, and kind of ingenuity to it. And they're all, you know, the other thing is they're working from their voices. You know, they, we have these recordings, so... So the voices are first. The voices are first, and for the animators, I feel like the voices are, are their inspiration. You know, they're like a second round of the performance, but it starts with what the actors do, and, they, uh, and then they kind of interpret that. So um, it's very interesting. Do you do this after you, it is done and call them back in and say, we need, uh, we need more, we need something else? Every now and then we say we added a little bit, we added a, uh, you know, an, another, I, another scene here or another, uh, some other lines here. And we, uh, are you free on Thursday or Friday for an hour? And they see what they can figure out and they go to some room somewhere and we end up you know, on some link up and they start growling again. That's, that's good. You both go to some room somewhere. I like that. That's a good idea. That brings up uh, the, there's been some discussion about the fact that you're in Paris while this is happening and they're shooting in London. And yet what you just said seems to explain that so well to me. How could you be there every day watching this go and saying, no, I wanted to move a fraction this way or that way? Uh, can you just answer that uh, yeah, well, it's just, um, you know, I spent probably one week out of each month on the set. I wasn't on the set every day. Um, I spent more of my time away from the set than on it. Um, and really, that was because I preferred it that way. I felt more inspired because as I went into the, you know, originally I thought I was going to, you know, record the actor, make the script, record the actors, and work on the design and plan the movie. But I thought at a certain point I would hand it over to this team of animators and they would send me back the movie. And I would put in an order for one fantastic Mr. Fox, um, and and it didn't work out like that at all. It became, you know, it takes it, doing a movie like this is completely all-consuming for you know a year of preparation and a year of shooting, and um, and I just kind of had to figure out a system where I could be as involved as I ultimately realized I was going to need to be to feel good about it, um, and you know, stay sane and stay and stay focused. Um, so it was a super complicated computer system that was designed, and then also just to sort of, we invented a kind of bureaucracy for the movie um, nice. that it needed. So we need a more bureaucracy, yeah. yeah, that's a good thing. I, I wasn't even going to ask whether they were Apple computers. We have a okay. question from they were. right over yeah, here. They were. Yeah. Um, this is for Wes. Um, well, what's your favorite thing that, what was your favorite thing that you know, came with making an animated film that you, you don't get to do with live action? Th thing you thing you can't do with live action that you could do with animated. I I, I think um, well you know Jason pointed out to me that he, he felt like there's a certain kinds of blocking that I've always kind of tried to get that I've that apparently I've tried to get him to do things that humans can't do, and that I was uh, that he saw those in the movie. Um, yeah. So um, I think it might be you know. Uh, well, if, 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 uh, you know, somebody leaving the frame in one place and coming in upside down in another part of it or something. But the other thing is, there are things you can do in this, like, you can't change real actors' eyeballs. You know, it's not, it's just not done. Um, and, you know, that was actually a, a you know, ongoing part of this uh, story. Um, that sort of thing. Sure. 
I have a question for Mr. Anderson. Um, I keep trying to make stop motion videos with my dad's video camera, and I can never do it. What are the techniques? So you, wh wh what was, well, are you, how, how are you doing it? You're, you're doing like, are you, because the, the one key thing is with the, if, probably if you're using a video camera where you press record and then press stop, you're getting too long of a, of a beat. You know, you, I, I think there may be, I know a guy who can help you with this. <laughs> He's right over there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna connect you with somebody who's gonna solve this problem. And 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 if he can't, there's a there's a whole infrastructure in this building. I think that we can tap into when we have the connections right now. And I really think that we're gonna figure this out. We have a question over here to the back. My question's for Jason and Meryl. Um, what made you guys want to be a part of this movie? Oh, well, I always wanted to be in one of Wes's movies. I've been a huge fan forever, and um, I was really happy when he called me. So. I, uh, I love Wes as a person and as a filmmaker and writer, and it's, uh, it's very, you know, it's, his material is rare. It's a, it's a rare commodity, I feel like, out there in the world, and when you get one of his scripts, they're just so incredible, and you know, and 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 I want to work on them because I, I know that they're going to be different than anything else, and I also know from working with them um, twice and a half before um, <laughs> that um, we did a short movie, <laughs> and um, uh, that um, that um, that it's always an adventure, that it's never the typical. No movie is typical for the record. Every movie is, is an adventure and always different. And it never t get feels like, oh, this is the same old... I mean, it's amazing always to me how a movie gets made. I love it. But with Wes, it's, it's totally an adventure and unlike anything else I've ever experienced. And the movie it ends up always being just one part of the experience uh, that I have with him. And I, I, I have... Like, for instance, we have this movie that we're here to talk about tonight, but also all these wild and amazing stories of rolling around on the ground, growling and digging in the mud, and just memories of being with Mr. George Clooney or Bill Murray, all these people. It, it, it just it ends up also just being a, a wild and insane and totally perfect life experience as well as a movie. Our next question is from the other side of the house. Hi, Mr. Anderson. Uh, what did you use to shoot the film? Uh, that's a good question. It's interesting. I mean, uh, interesting. I guess anyway, it's interesting to me. Um, the um, this movie is shot on like SLR cameras. You know, like a camera you wear around your neck when you go sightseeing. Um, it's st it's still cameras, digital still cameras. Um, sometimes you know, a, a giant motion control rig. You know, a crane, and at the end of this giant thing is a little. You know, a camera, a Canon, you know, AE1 or whatever it is, um, and though, but you know, each frame of those is is much higher resolution than a than a than even like a, a an anamorphic, you know, a cinemascope frame. Um, so it's a very high, you know, there's a very there's a lot of information in there, and it just sends it into a hard drive, and you know, the movie is playing back these still pictures one after another. Question over here in the back. Um, hi. Um, I was wondering, all of your movies, I think the greatest part about 
your whole um, your body of work is that they're all so drastically different, but you can still tell that they're your movies, and you really infuse your personality in all of your movies. So I was wondering if you could talk about maybe how you developed your style. Absolutely. I. Oh, sorry. Is that for Wes? Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <clears throat> My bad. Peter, I am an egomaniac. You're right. Um, that was for me, right? Uh, the, um, the, um, uh, well, you know, it, it actually, I, I, I like Meryl's answer uh, about the process, that she doesn't have one. That, that's kind of, uh, uh, for me, applies to this. I, I don't think of a, of, uh, of, of a style for me. For me, you know, uh, this movie was uh, just trying to do Roald Dahl. That was always the thing. And then when it's finished, everybody says, this is... You know, I like that you said my movies are all drastically different and yet you can tell some connection. Often people say to me, my movies are sort of all the same, um, which is kind of the half-empty version of it, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, um, the, um, but, you know, but I actually don't make an effort to have a style. I just sort of, you know, try to... I'm usually just trying to think of what can we do to make it funnier or more interesting or just kind of refine it, and it ends up like that. I have a, a follow-up question. Do you have a fascination with the Futura typeface? And why does it always appear in uh, your films? I like that we got one from the guy who's been handing the microphone around. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, I do like uh, the Futura uh, typeface. Um, the, the, the first short film I uh, made was... Um, was um, we, we used that, and I've always liked it. And it's, you know, it's also in the Stanley Kubrick movies, and it's possible that I had picked up on that somewhere along the way, um, and stole it from him. Our next question's over here, sir. Yes, Wes. Well, you were influenced by uh, Ray Har Harryhausen at all? Yes, uh, definitely influenced by Harryhausen. I, uh, you know, the, all those kind of uh, Greek mythology uh, movies, um, uh, the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, or the other, there's another Sinbad movies, and the, uh, Clash of the Titans, Golden Voyage, yes, the Golden Voyage of Sinbad, um, and Jason the Argonauts. The, 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 that sort of, I don't want to say it's creaky, but there's something a bit, you can tell, you know, it's not like this looks exactly like real life. Um, and there's a charm in it. Um, you know, those fighting skeletons are just, you know, they're magical. Um, and um, so that's certainly what, you know, that, that's the sort of thing that made me want to work in this uh, medium. Because you made a movie that looks like it's been touched by human hands, which is the best compliment I could pay it. You're dealing with this, and yet through the voices, through the movement, there's a humanity in it when what we see now is basically let's get the latest one out you know let's just do it and move it along yeah henry selick who's kind of you know the living master of this uh you know of these of this uh he had some nice ways of describing it. he describes it as you know it is touched by human hands henry describes it as that you can sense that it's uh that it's been touched by human hands that have been pulled away you know, it's we're seeing in between, we're seeing the little moments in between the hands. Um, and he also, I, I've, I've heard him compare the, uh, the stop motion to uh, working with toys, that that's why, like something that people connect to. It's like, your, you know, the toys you had as a child and someone's made them alive. Great, we have a question here in the back. 
for Wes, I don't know if you could talk a little bit about why you make movies or how you got into film and where that kind of came from. Well, I I just I always loved movies. I li- I like you know I liked um I liked them from when I was a kid. So I I I I really I think you know I was talking with Noah Baumbach about this the other night, and um the, you know it wasn't so much the the desire to make movies that uh, we were thinking of. It was how we made the sort of transition into doing it, and it and we both have referred to these these books that came out at a certain time. Like Spike Lee wrote a book about making She's Got to Have It. That was um. You know that for, for you know I, that was a movie I was very inspired by in the first place. But then when I read about his process of of making it, I thought I could you know follow this. I mean, I became obsessed with the idea of a limited partnership. That's some legal uh, concept of you know raising money from a series of dentists and uh, you know and um, and that became like my fixation. Um, so um, that was one of the things for me. Great, and we have time for about one more question, so. Uh, first of all, I want to say I love all of you. Thank you for changing my life. <laughs> and you guys are great. Um, also, this, this next question is for all of you, um, especially Jason, who seems to get cast in very similar roles, like Jonathan Ames and um, Max Fisher. Which has been your most um, uh, challenging project to date? My most challenging project? Whoa, uh, they're all they're all really hard. I I, I th- they've all been equally challenging and totally different. I've that's like 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 uh, Meryl Streep was saying uh, earlier. Um, <laughs> it's it, it is always different, and um, and they're all like a bit terrifying right before I go into them, and I feel like it's going to be impossible almost, um, and I feel that way until about three weeks after I'm done shooting it. Honestly, and uh, which makes no sense, but it has a half life or something my my anxiety about it, but um they're all really hard, so I don't know I'm sorry there's not a specific answer, but they've all been very challenging oh well, do you have one Merrill Merrill, do you have one that you that's your most challenging do you uh, just as my or or do you think i mean do you think of any of them that way <coughs> yes, but I won't mention what they are. Oh. Because they're challenging for reasons that have nothing to do with uh, the challenges of filmmaking. They're just, you know, somebody on a, a drag. Set. <laughs> <laughs> Something is a drag. But it's very rare. I have to say, I'm really, really spoiled in my life that I've gotten to work with so many amazing directors and writers and actors and actresses. <clears throat> There's one of yours that I, th- when, when I saw Postcards from the Edge, that to me was like a, a different, I, I love that movie, and that was a very different kind of performance. I mean, you obviously you played very different characters from one another along the way, but that one was, um, that character was so you know, there's so much, uh, it's such an open kind of uh, yeah. character emotionally and singing that that was, uh, well, I was yeah. hoping you were going to talk about that. Well, oh, no. Well, that anyway, was, it was, probably that fun, was so wasn't it? easy and fun. It was ridiculous. I shouldn't yeah. have been paid. <laughs> I loved it. Loved doing it. Yeah, I love that movie. Anyway, sorry. It's okay, but don't do it again, please. You know, uh, this, I think it's fitting to end talking about this specific movie, Fantastic Mr. Fox. And you, of course, have been working on it since the Reagan administration. You've been thinking about it for forever. Um, but 
when you look at it, is there doesn't have to be a scene with, uh, with the two of you that you're in or specifically that, but when you look at it, is there a moment even in this movie that sticks with you, that really just kind of sticks to the wall and no matter how many times you look at it, you say, I, that was my dream that I would get close to what that moment is. Nodding, they're nodding, but no one's going to share. Jason, I know you'll say it right away. <laughs> why do you say that? <laughs> no, I, because it looks like you weren't going to do it, so uh, that's why I did well, it. I, there's two moments I love in the movie. Mm -hmm. One is um, actually with Meryl and um, George. George. Um, that's uh, where, where she takes him aside. She's going to talk to you for a minute, and they go into this beautiful, sparkling room, and they have a very uh, amazing and beautiful conversation. I like that one a lot. And also, I like the scene... I don't want to ruin. I don't want to ruin it. But there's a scene towards the end of the movie that I really think is very moving and very powerful, um, and we've referenced it earlier tonight. It, Bill Murray has something to do with a wolf, and that's a really powerful moment. I think. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, for me, I didn't get to run around on the farm. I was in a. I was by myself, and I didn't have George. Clooney. I had, <laughs> I did the whole thing with Wes. So we really had like a relationship. <laughs> you know, it was, it was just amazing. And then to go in and see it last night and to see, I mean, the whole thing just took my breath away. Just the detail in it. And it, you know, it was just in a room, just us speaking to each other and then I saw the film, which is so detailed and really funny and, and heartfelt and, and weird, you know? <laughs> that uh, it just, I, I, I love that scene that, because it was, that you were talking about, that you were talking about the, with Bill. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <sighs> But so many of the scenes I just, I just loved. I can't pick one out. Oh, I, 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 I th the scene I was going to say was actually the one uh, that, that Jason said that's, uh, that's between you and George uh, in, the, you know, in the sparkly thing. Um, that's because that was our scene. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> There's just a whole other thing going on in here. Um, but uh, having that one already taken, I would say there's uh, there's one other I think of that's between Jason and my um, younger brother, um, uh, and um, that was a, I mean it's a, you know I don't want to describe it. There's no point in describing the scene, but um, but it was nice to see uh, you know my brother has not acted in films before, and this uh, role he plays is uh, it's 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 his voice. Uh, you know the way he talks is. Uh, unusual and sort of courtly and gentle and um, that was you know, uh, you know obviously it was a great thrill for me working with with these two people um, and you know the, and uh, such a you know a strong cast but it was also a real pleasure for me working with him um, uh, in, in, you know in a completely different way and also we grew up with Dahl and this book together so um, it felt it was uh, it just occurred and was ultimately I was very happy it did that he's you know one of the stars. Well, Jason Merrill West, thank you so much. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.
Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks. You guys have been a wonderful audience. Fantastic Mr. Fox is in theaters in New York and L.A. starting this Friday, November 13th. Uh, before you all go, we have another treat for you, a featurette available from Apple.com, which, take, which takes a look at the world of Roald Dahl. Please enjoy.